BFM 89.9, the business station. My name is Rich Bradbury. Of course, this is Matt's Plain Soul. We we are back with our very own chatty man, uh, Matt Armitage, to explore the world of bots and blood tests today. No, I have no idea what that means either. Hey, Rich. Well, um, partly this is a, a follow-up from uh, the late September story that OpenAI would be uh, introducing full voice uh, capabilities with chat GPT. That's the, the bot part. We'll get to the, the blood part later. You know, we save the blood till later. Um, <laughs> but anyway, the the bot part. So this introduction of chat is similar to the way that we interact with, you know, assistants like Siri, Alexa, Google Assistant, you know, all of those bots that we're already using. Mm. And supposedly, uh, these updates were part of a, a suite of new features that would see chat GPT becoming a multimodal model. Um, I hate terms like that, but anyway, what it basically <laughs> means is it can interact with text, voice, and images, which again we've both been playing with this week. Yeah. And as is usual with these things, you know, I read the story in uh, September. I think maybe we mentioned it on the show, and then of course I promptly forgot about it until. Indeed. Yeah, until my own uh, not-so-digital assistant reminded me to check in again. Uh, and if you're wondering, uh, the machine with the unenviable task of looking after my brain is actually, of course, Richard. Uh, so it was <laughs> Richard who reminded me last week that the voice features were now live and available in the app. Yes, they were, although they were not showing up for some people. And it turns out that for them, uh, for it to show up in, in your app, you had to delete the app that was installed on your device and then reinstall it. And then uh, it would show you the, you know, the, the, uh, the voice chat um, thing. thing. Yeah, I, exactly. And that's what I did. And it showed up. And I'm kind of having the same issue with uh, Meta's new uh, chat assistance as well because that's not showing up in my app and i'm wondering whether i have to delete and and i really can't be bothered with facebook apps because there's so much data already oh, on my phone that, yeah yeah, yeah. I, I i'm not going to do that anyway um so yeah if the features aren't showing on your version of chat gpt uh the app rather than the the desktop version as richard said delete it download it again and log back in and it should appear and ready for you to chat. Mm. So the the new voice feature allows you to choose from one of five personas. Uh, again, you know, like you can choose different voices for, for Siri. And then you can have a, a pretty good natural conversation with it. Yeah. Uh, and in terms of the, the photo options, well, that's a bit more straightforward. You upload a photo and the bot then gives you feedback on what you've uploaded. Yeah. Um, now, before we go into those functionality aspects, let's look at the wider landscape. Um, and this is a, a thing I've been hearing a little bit about. Is interest in AI and tools like ChatGPT declining? Yeah. I mean, I read somewhere, I think it was on The Economist, that said that consumer searches for AI have declined recently. So I think we are seeing some kind of change. And we have to remember, though, that there are different sections to this. There is the, the, the business use case for AI. And of course, there's the consumer 
use case. So these declines in searches, that could indicate a number of things. Uh, mm. It could indicate that, you know, people have played with these things and they're just kind of over it. Uh, or that, you know, they've looked at the tools and realized that in most cases, you know, these are paywalled products and any free versions only give access to, you know, very basic versions of the technology, which, you know, generally aren't very good. Or, you know, they've actually subscribed and they're using the tools so they don't need to search for them anymore. Um, or perhaps, you know, they've just gone the easy route and they've downloaded the Bing app and that means they've got access to ChatGPT and the DALI image generation for free through the app that Microsoft is providing. Yep. So I don't necessarily think it's an indication that people are less interested. Uh, I think, yes, the novelty is wearing off, but in much the same way as it did with services like Siri and Alexa. You know, we're now getting to that ubiquity phase where we kind of take them for granted uh, and use them for all the kind of mundane things that they were originally designed for. Like timers and meetings. Well, to an extent. I mean, I think these more advanced tools, not necessarily such mundane tasks, but to be honest, you know, the number of times I set timers with Siri and Alexa is quite astonishing. I mean, it might be mundane, but it's still really useful. <laughs> yeah. But there's, there's a whole kind of world of AI-assisted tools um, that people are integrating into their daily lives. I mean, there's a whole mm. bunch of them that I've integrated. I mean, I'm using ChatGPT, Reword, Grammarly, Midjourney, uh, Feedly. I'm using the AI features in Adobe Podcast. Uh, you know, there are probably a bunch more that I'm not even thinking about. And I'm sure mm. you've got a whole kind of, you know, bunch of them as well for sure i'm using a whole bunch of the ones that you're using as well i'm, I'm, I'm even considering subscribing to the whole adobe uh, creative suite because there's stuff on there that i find interesting that may in fact help me with my workflow moving forward you know and the thing is though matt it's every time i look at uh, for this kind of news there's always something that's piquing my interest yeah uh, not just piquing your interest but also pulling things out of your wallet, which Correct. is probably the most important thing. But that is, you know, that's kind of the point. They've become very routine and uh, very, you know, easily usable for quite a large section of people. Mm. I think there is that other group of people who are maybe a bit disappointed with the tools because they've listened to all the media hype. They've tried out some of the new toys. They've found them entertaining for, you know, a couple of hours, but they don't really see how they can integrate them or use them in their wider lives mm. or you know they simply don't understand understand enough about what's going on under the hood to to apply them to their lives so there's still a lot of misunderstanding around artificial intelligence and machine learning there's still this trend to anthropomorphize the tools i hate having to say that word i nearly you got through it, it well. i got it through it okay today but i think these new kind of adding adding that voice element, adding that ability to speak to it naturally, this could be the functionality that kind of tips the, mm. the you know the the naysayers over the edge. Um, but I'll I'll go back to that photo upload uh, thing first, partly because I didn't really think it would be particularly useful. Yeah, uh, and so this is when you upload an image to the bot and it comments on it, right? Yeah, so I started with the image that I created for last week's show, um, 
which actually used Dali to create in the first uh, first case. It's a, a pastiche of a Victorian shopping arcade. Mm-hmm. So it analyzed the image. It broke down the elements. It indicated uh, what era the image was from, the Victorian era, based on the shop fronts and the clothes that people were wearing. Uh, it commented, for example, on the color treatment of the image, saying it was, you know, it's a sepia image, so it, now, it could be from that past time. Now, did could it tell that it had been created by um, its own companion AI? Well, that was the interesting thing. No. I mean, it gave me a great Ah. checklist of things to look for in images that suggest whether they're they're real or whether they've been, you know, confected by AI. Mm. But it couldn't tell with any certainty that the image was no more vintage than its own data pool, Mm. which kind of goes back to the point that we've made a few times. You can use AI to trick other AI in this case, yeah. essentially yeah. you're using the same AI to, to trick itself. Uh, the tools that help to check for machine generated text, for example, can be fooled by simply upscaling the text in another AI and pasting it back into the one that said it was fake to begin with. So I tried it with uh, another few images, uh, real images this time. Uh, although I guess the idea of real photographs is a bit strange as well, because you know they're just recordings. Um, But anyway, I put in a a garden scene um, and it was actually pretty good at identifying the plants. It correctly guessed that it was a tropical garden. uh, And I was impressed because when I've tried reverse engineering photos in search engines, it's always been, you know, really hit and miss. I mean, one of the, the famous examples or early examples of that was me uploading my own face to uh, a very early version version of Google's uh, image search. And it came back with uh, a basket of kittens. Um, <laughs> so that was, that was one that always made uh, Frida very happy. Um, but, you know, and it even noted that there was a cat in the picture that I uploaded, uh, and it made a point of saying that uh, it's a cat and not a plant. Well, I mean, that's a good start, I guess. But um, looking forward, I mean, we've seen examples, but how how do you see this type of tool being used? Well, in terms of the pictures, I mean, obviously we know ChatGPT, it's not live linked yet. Um, mm. Yes, when you use it through the Bing app, it can access news stories, but it's still uh, a trained closed model, I think. Uh, its data goes up to mid-2022 or something like that. So its knowledge is limited in that sense of you know what's going on in the, the real world. Uh, for example, it easily identified the Eiffel Tower, but it couldn't place the Palace of Justice here in Putrajaya. Although it you know, it correctly flagged that it's a, an example of Islamic architecture. It was happy to tell me about Islamic architecture in general and mm-hmm. various motifs that were found in the building. So, you know, there are definitely uh, educational purposes for this. Um, you can use it, you know, for uh, arts and culture, science. Uh, apparently, it can give you uh, fashion tips. I don't really know how that works, uh, although it won't, won't comment on people. So it won't tell you that, you know, somebody's ugly or badly dressed or anything mm. like that. Um, you can use it for visual storytelling. So you can upload the the picture uh, and it will tell you a, a 
a story about or come up with a story about that building. So I asked it to create a story about the, again, the Palace of Justice image. And it wrote me a short story about the Palace of Whispers and a centuries-old sultan called Rafiq. Uh, I mean, it was a, a bit generic, but, it, you know, it was quite charming. So actually, the, the image search function is a lot more u- uh, useful than I thought it was going to be. Mm, but mm. as I said before, you know, that that killer application is the voice interaction Mm. um and again you know you were the one who turned me on to it so Mm. how have you found experimenting with voice conversations with it especially in terms of you know the 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 humanness in inverted commas of the the responses um it actually shocked me as to how realistic it sounded with because there's um human-like pauses there are ums there are ahs and uh, i i think it it genuinely shocked me when i used it for the first time that um i ended up having and i say this in air quotes a conversation with the bot to the point where i think i was conversing for about 45 minutes uh, about you know my hometown and the surrounding areas and where I should visit and, and whatnot, stuff I already knew, but it was interesting to hear it from uh, a bot telling me where I should go, and, and it's probably sourcing all of this data from Wikipedia, stuff that I already know, but it was as if it was coming from a real person, genuinely. I I know, and it's it's quite freaky. I mean, I haven't managed a. a- 45-minute conversation, but then I don't manage 45-minute conversations with people. This is probably the longest <laughs> I talk to anyone in any uh, given week. Um, but, I mean, just sort of backtracking a bit. So I, I, I mentioned there are five personas. Uh, mm. So far, I've only checked out Sky. Uh, I don't know if you've checked out any of the others yet. I have, yep. I, I landed on Sky, though. She reminds me of the uh, the voice from her, which is potentially why I stuck with it. Ah, is that why it's chimed a bell in my head? Yeah, so that's probably yes. why I haven't I haven't moved on. And I've I've found it very impressive as well. You know, when mm. we talk to assistants like Alexa, you know, those are a, a very kind of limited step towards this screen-free world. Um, mm. you know, this world where we speak to all our devices rather than interact with them through a control device. And, you know, you can't compare that kind of interaction talking to Siri or Alexa with that experience with chat GPT. You know, one of yeah. the the recurring themes on the show has been voice and the advance of uh, large language models using natural language processing. And it's, you know, as my conversations were shorter than yours, but it's amazing how your interactions with the machine change once you're not typing anymore. I, I found, yeah, I found um, that asking questions was much easier and more natural than when I try and type them. But, and mm. I found, or I am finding, that it's making the process of researching and searching for answers to things a lot simpler because you know, you, you're not thinking about how to phrase a typed sentence for a machine. You know, yeah. already that 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 act, that that translation of getting it out of your brain and typed onto a screen, it slows you down. Your thoughts happen so much faster. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to go through this process of translating your thoughts, typing them. Um, and 
adding this layer of trying to phrase them in a way that you think that the machine is going to understand. Isn't there still the same issue when you're speaking? Yeah, of course. I mean, the machine still misunderstands things, but it's so much easier and less frustrating for you as a user to just change the way that you phrase something to try another verbal command than it is to look at your sentence and think, oh, how am I going to change that to, to get it to do what I want it to do? Mm. Uh, and going back to that part I mentioned about the, the people who try out these tools and don't see them as anything but a novelty, I think this is where it will grab those people because it is much more like having a normal conversation. Mm. And I'm finding that it's changing the way I think about asking questions because I can go off on tangents and come back. I'm not, you know, working through a checklist of questions. As you said, your conversation is just taking you down strange paths. It's giving you information. You're able to riff on the, the information mm. and you go off in all these different directions. And, mm -hmm. you know, it, it really, I think, matches my kind of tangential learning, um, which I find, you know, a little bit frustrating with the, the kind of linear approach of, of search engines. Um. So during your your um, trials with uh, the voice, what do you think were some of the limitations that were most apparent to you? Well, I mean, just to go back to you mentioning her, you know, overall it is very kind of sci-fi. It's like speaking to the ship's computer in uh, in yeah. Star Trek. the The conversations themselves are very easy, and as you said, there's those natural elements to the speech, the pauses, the ums and ahs. So they don't have that robotic element that you get when you speak with a lot of digital assistants. Mm. Uh, you can still tell, you know, it's not, it's not human. I don't think it's trying to be human, but it is normal. So mm -hmm. in terms of uh, limitations, the, the verbal misunderstandings, which of course is to be expected, you know, these machines will get better at context over time, but they're never going to be perfect because people aren't perfect at context either. We all get things wrong when we're we're talking to each other and misunderstanding each other. I, yeah. I guess the thing that I notice most is the speed of the responses. Not not in terms of the the gaps between you asking the question and it formulating the replies, but in actually getting through the responses because you know, we, we're used to just scanning through things and speech is a little bit slower than reading. Uh, so yeah. It was surprising when I'd listened to an answer that would feel like it took, you know, a minute or two, two minutes or whatever. And then you look back at the text and you see how short the text is. Um, you're <laughs> quite surprised because it kind of feels like an eternity when it's being read yeah. aloud. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, how are businesses likely to incorporate these um, advances, do you think? Don't ask me. I don't do business stuff. No, I'm, I'm just messing. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, there are lots of uh, applications, um, things like internal chatbots, uh, you know, for, for company use. So imagine a machine that's loaded with um, with schematics that's actually conversing with an, an engineer who's out in the field in, in real time. You know, the engineer is saying, I can see the blue wire, but not the red wire. Um, you know, when you've got your head inside... Uh, <laughs> 
a huge piece of factory plant machinery, um, you can't always go and look at a screen, but you can talk and you can listen. So I think there's a, you know, a huge number of applications for companies to use it for their internal processes. Uh, in terms of, you know, business to business, business to consumer, look at me with all the, the cool words. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's massive potential as well. Um, you know, going to a brand site, clicking the microphone button to talk to the bot about the goods and services rather than going through all the process again of typing. Uh, that thing of easily being able to find out what isn't, isn't in stock, you know, saying, oh, is that blue t-shirt in stock? And the machine just saying, yeah, you can buy it, just click. Um, much easier for you to raise uh, service or other issues that you have with with companies. I mean, I'm not going to go into that side of things uh, today. So depending on how things work out, uh, I want to have a look at the, the business case for implementing AI and machine learning technology. And also because uh, in between recording this and it being broadcast, I'm actually doing a panel on this with the business applications for, uh, for BFM's uh, breakaway this week. So Hopefully that will feature a bit in next week's episode. Uh, and of course, you know, there are some sectors that are racing ahead with this technology. Others seem to be hedging their bets. But I have to say that I am really impressed with these new integrations. They do change the game. And once we see them being extended beyond, you know, the, the premium tier, once we see them coming more into everyday tools like search engines like Bing. That's mm. where we're going to see the, the worlds of search and internet browsing change rapidly. There, I got through it in just one half of the show. And you know what? It's been fairly sensible so far, um, which worries me. So let's see how weird things will go after the break. Yeah, folks, you tune into Matt Splain here on BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury, of course. This is Matt Splain. So we, we are back with our very own chatty man, uh, Matt Armitage, to explore the world of bots and blood tests today. No, I have no idea what that means either. Hey, Rich. Well, um, partly this is a, a follow-up from uh, the late September story that OpenAI would be uh, introducing full voice uh, capabilities with chat GPT. That's the, the bot part. We'll get to the, the blood part later. You know, we save the blood till later. Um, <laughs> but anyway, the the bot part. So this introduction of chat is similar to the way that we interact with, you know, assistants like Siri, Alexa, Google Assistant, you know, all of those bots that we're already using. Mm. And supposedly uh, these updates were part of a, a suite of new features that would see chat GPT becoming a multimodal model. Um, I hate terms like that, but anyway, what it basically <laughs> means is it can interact with text, voice, and images, which again, we've both been playing with this week. Yeah. And as is usual with these things, you know, I read the story in uh, September, I think maybe we mentioned it on the show. And then, of course, I promptly forgot about it until. Indeed. Yeah, until my own uh, not-so-digital assistant 
reminded me to check in again. Uh, and if you're wondering, uh, the machine with the unenviable task of looking after my brain is actually, of course, Richard. Uh, so it was <laughs> Richard who reminded me last week that the voice features were now live and available in the app. Yes, they were, although they were not showing up for some people. And it turns out that for them, uh, for it to show up in, in your app, you had to delete the app that was installed on your device and then reinstall it. And then uh, it would show you the, you know, the, the, uh, the voice chat um, thing. Thing. Yeah, I, exactly. And that's what I did. And it, it showed up. And I'm kind of having the same issue with uh, Meta's new uh, chat assistance as well, because that's not showing up in my app. And I'm wondering whether I have to delete. And and I really can't be bothered with Facebook apps because there's so much data already oh, on my phone. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm not going to do that anyway. Um, so yeah, if the features aren't showing on your version of ChatGPT, uh, the app rather than the, the desktop version, as Richard said, delete it, download it again, and log back in, and it should appear and ready for you to chat. Mm. So the the new voice feature allows you to choose from one of five personas. Uh, again, you know, like you can choose different voices for, for Siri. And then you can have a, a pretty good natural conversation with it. Yeah. Uh, and in terms of the, the photo options, well, that's a bit more straightforward. You upload a photo and the bot then gives you feedback on what you've uploaded. Yeah. Um, now, before we go into those functionality aspects, let's look at the wider landscape. Um, and this is a, a thing I've been hearing a little bit about. Is interest in AI and tools like ChatGPT declining? Yeah. I mean, I read somewhere, I think it was on The Economist, that said that consumer searches for AI have declined recently. So I think we are seeing some kind of change. And we have to remember, though, that there are different sections to this. There is the, the, the business use case for AI, and of course, there's the consumer use case. So these declines in searches, that could indicate a number of things. Uh, hmm. It could indicate that you know people have played with these things and they're just kind of over it, uh, or that you know, they've looked at the tools and realized that in most cases, you know, these are paywalled products and any free versions only give access to, you know, very basic versions of the technology, which, you know, generally aren't very good. Or, you know, they've actually subscribed and they're using the tools so they don't need to search for them anymore. Um, or perhaps, you know, they've just gone the easy route and they've downloaded the Bing app. And that means they've got access to ChatGPT and the DALI image generation for free through the app that Microsoft is providing. Yep. So I don't necessarily think it's an indication that people are less interested. Uh, I think, yes, the novelty is wearing off, but in much the same way as it did with services like Siri and Alexa. You know, we're now getting to that ubiquity phase where we kind of take them for granted uh, and use them for all the kind of mundane things that they were originally designed for. Like timers and meetings. Well, to an extent, I mean, I think these more advanced tools, not necessarily such mundane tasks, but to be honest, you know, the number of times I set timers with Siri and Alexa is quite astonishing. I mean, it might be mundane, but it's still really useful. <laughs> yeah. But there's, there's a whole kind of world of AI-assisted tools um, that people are 
integrating into their daily lives. I mean, there's a whole mm. bunch of them that I've integrated. I mean, I'm using ChatGPT, Reword, Grammarly, Midjourney, uh, Feedly. I'm using the AI features in Adobe Podcast. Uh, you know, there are probably a bunch more that I'm not even thinking about. And I'm sure mm. you've got a whole kind of, you know, bunch of them as well for sure i'm using a whole bunch of the ones that you're using as well i'm, I'm even considering subscribing to the whole adobe creative suite because there's stuff on there that i find interesting that may in fact help me with my workflow moving forward you know and the thing is though matt it's every time i look at uh, for this kind of news there's always something that's piquing my interest yeah uh, not just piquing your interest but also pulling things out of your wallet, which Correct. is probably the most important thing. But that is, you know, that's kind of the point. They've become very routine and uh, very, you know, easily usable for quite a large section of people. Mm. I think there is that other group of people who are maybe a bit disappointed with the tools because they've listened to all the media hype. They've tried out some of the new toys. They have found them entertaining for, you know, a couple of hours, but they don't really see how they can integrate them or use them in their wider lives mm. or you know they simply don't understand understand enough about what's going on under the hood to to apply them to their lives so there's still a lot of misunderstanding around artificial intelligence and machine learning there's still this trend to anthropomorphize the tools i hate having to say that word i nearly you got through it, it. Well, oh. i got it through it okay today but i think these new kind of adding adding that voice element, adding that ability to speak to it naturally, this could be the functionality that kind of tips the, mm. the you know the the naysayers over the edge. Um, but I'll I'll go back to that photo upload uh, thing first, partly because I didn't really think it would be particularly useful. Yeah, uh, and so this is when you upload an image to the bot and it comments on it, right? Yeah, so I started with the image that I created for last week's show, um, uh, which I actually used Dali to create in the first uh, first case. It's a, a pastiche of a Victorian shopping arcade. Mm -hmm. So it analyzed the image, it broke down the elements, it indicated uh, what era the image was from, the Victorian era, based on the shop fronts and the clothes that people were wearing. Uh, it commented, for example, on the color treatment of the image, saying it was, you know, it's a sepia image, so it, now, it could be from that past time. Now, did, could it tell that it had been created by um, its own companion AI? Well, that was the interesting thing. No. I mean, it gave me a great ah. checklist of things to look for in images that suggest whether they're, they're real or whether they've been, you know, confected by AI. Mm. But it couldn't tell with any certainty that the image was no more vintage than its own data pool, mm. which kind of goes back to the point that we've made a few times. You can use AI to trick other AI in this case, yeah. essentially yeah. you're using the same AI to, to trick itself. Uh, the tools that help to check for machine generated text, for example, can be fooled by simply upscaling the text in another AI and pasting it back into the one that said it was fake to begin with. So I tried it with uh, another few images, uh, real images this time. Uh, although I guess the idea of real photographs is a bit strange as well, because you know they're just recordings. Um, but anyway, I put in uh, 
a garden scene, um, and it was actually pretty good at identifying the plants. It correctly guessed that it was a tropical garden, uh, and I was impressed because when I've tried reverse engineering photos in search engines, it's always been you know really hit and miss. I mean, one of the, yeah. the famous examples or early examples of that was me uploading my own face to uh, a very early version version of Google's uh, image search, and it came back with uh, a basket of kittens. Um, <laughs> so that was that was one that always made uh, Frida very happy. Um, but, you know, and it even noted that there was a cat in the picture that I uploaded, uh, and it made a point of saying that uh, it's a cat and not a plant. Well, I mean, that's a good start, I guess. But um, looking forward, I mean, we've seen examples, but how, how do you see this type of tool being used? Well, in terms of the pictures, I mean, obviously we know ChatGPT, it's not live linked yet. Um, mm. Yes, when you use it through the Bing app, it can access news stories, but it's still uh, a trained closed model. I think uh, its data goes up to mid-2022 or something like that. So its knowledge is limited in that sense of you know what's going on in the, the real world. Uh, for example, it easily identified the Eiffel Tower but it couldn't place the Palace of Justice here in Putrajaya. Although it, you know, it correctly flagged that it's a, an example of Islamic architecture. It was happy to tell me about Islamic architecture in general and mm -hmm. various motifs that were found in the building. So, you know, there are definitely uh, educational purposes for this. Um, you can use it you know, for uh, arts and culture, science. Uh, apparently, it can give you uh, fashion tips. I don't really know how that works, uh, although it won't, won't comment on people. So it won't tell you that, you know, somebody's ugly or badly dressed or anything mm. like that. Um, you can use it for visual storytelling. So you can upload the, the picture uh, and it will tell you a, a a story about or come up with a story about that building. So I asked it to create a story about the, again, the Palace of Justice image. And it wrote me a short story about the Palace of Whispers and a centuries-old sultan called Rafiq. Uh, I mean, it was a, a bit generic, but, it, you know, it was quite charming. So actually, the, the image search function is a lot more uh, useful than I thought it was going to be. Mm, but mm. as I said before, you know, that that killer application is the voice interaction mm. um and again you know you were the one who turned me on to it so mm. how have you found experimenting with voice conversations with it in, especially in terms of you know the the the, the humanness in inverted commas of the, yeah. of the responses um it actually shocked me as to how realistic it sounded with because there's um, human-like pauses, there are ums, there are ahs, and uh, I, I think it, it genuinely shocked me when I used it for the first time that um, I ended up having, and I say this in air quotes, a conversation with the bot to the point where I think I was conversing for about 45 minutes uh, about you know my hometown and the surrounding areas and where I should visit and, and whatnot, stuff I already knew, but it was interesting to hear it from um, a bot telling me where I should go, and, and it's probably sourcing all of this data from Wikipedia, stuff that I already know, but it was as if it was coming from a real person, genuinely. I I know, and it's it's quite freaky. I mean, I haven't managed a. a 45 minute conversation but then i don't manage 45 
minute conversations with people. This is probably the longest <laughs> I talk to anyone in any uh, given week. Um, but I mean, just sort of backtracking a bit. So I, I, I mentioned there are five personas. Uh, mm. So far, I've only checked out Sky. Uh, I don't know if you've checked out any of the others yet. I have, yep. I, I landed on Sky, though. She reminds me of the uh, the voice from her, which is potentially why I stuck with it. Ah, is that why it's chimed a bell in my head? Yeah, so that's probably yes. why I haven't I haven't moved on. And I've I've found it very impressive as well. You know, when mm. we talk to assistants like Alexa, you know, those are a, a very kind of limited step towards this screen free world. Um, mm you know, this world where we speak to all our devices rather than interact with them through a control device. And, you know, you can't compare that kind of interaction talking to Siri or Alexa with that experience with chat GPT. You know, one of yeah. the, the recurring themes on the show has been voice and the advance of uh, large language models using natural language processing. And it's, you know, as my conversations were shorter than yours, but it's amazing how your interactions with the machine change once you're not typing anymore. I, I found, yeah, I found um, that asking questions was much easier and more natural than when I try and type them. And mm. I found, or I am finding, that it's making the process of researching and searching for answers to things a lot simpler because you know, you, you're not thinking about how to phrase a typed sentence for a machine. You know, yeah. already that 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 act, that that translation of getting it out of your brain and typed onto a screen, it slows you down. Your thoughts happen so much faster. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to go through this process of translating your thoughts, typing them, um, and adding this layer of trying to phrase them in a way that you think that the machine is going to understand. Isn't there still the same issue when you're speaking? Yeah, of course. I mean, the machine still misunderstands things, but it's so much easier and less frustrating for you as a user to just change the way that you phrase something to try another verbal command than it is to look at your sentence and think, oh, how am I going to change that to, to get it to do what I want it to do? Mm. Uh, and going back to that part I mentioned about the the people who try out these tools and don't see them as anything but a novelty, I think this is where it will grab those people because it is much more like having a normal conversation. Mm. And I'm finding that it's changing the way I think about asking questions because I can go off on tangents and come back. I'm not, you know, working through a checklist of questions. As you said, your conversation is just taking you down strange paths. It's giving you information. You're able to riff on the the information mm. and you go off in all these different directions. And, mm -hmm. you know, it, it really, I think, matches my kind of tangential learning, um, which I find, you know, a little bit frustrating with the the kind of linear approach of, of search engines. Um. So during your your um, trials with uh, the voice, what do you think were some of the limitations that were most apparent to you? Well, I mean, just to go back to you mentioning her, you know, overall it is 
very kind of sci-fi. It's like speaking to the ship's computer in uh, in yeah. Star Trek. The the conversations themselves are very easy, and as you said, there's those natural elements to the speech, the pauses, the ums and ahs. So they don't have that robotic element that you get when you speak with a lot of digital assistants. Mm. Uh, you can still tell, you know, it's not it's not human. I don't think it's trying to be human, but it is normal. So Mm-mm. in terms of uh, limitations, the, the verbal misunderstandings, which of course is to be expected, you know, these machines will get better at context over time, but they're never going to be perfect because people aren't perfect at context either. We all get things wrong when we're, we're talking to each other and misunderstanding each other. I, yeah. I guess the thing that I notice most is the speed of the responses, not, not in terms of the, the gaps between you asking the question and it formulating the replies, but in actually getting through the responses because you know we, we're used to just scanning through things and speech is a little bit slower than reading. Uh, so yeah. it was surprising when I'd listened to an answer that would feel like it took you know a minute or two two minutes or whatever and then you look back at the text and you see how short the text is um you're quite <laughs> surprised because it kind of feels like an eternity when it's being read yeah. aloud yeah yeah now um how are businesses likely to incorporate these um advances do you think don't ask me i don't do business stuff no i'm, I'm just messing <laughs> uh no, I mean, there are lots of uh, applications, um, things like internal chatbots, uh, you know, for, for company use. So imagine a machine that's loaded with um, with schematics that's actually conversing with an, an engineer who's out in the field in, in real time. You know, the engineer is saying, I can see the blue wire, but not the red wire. Um, you know, when you've got your head inside uh, – <laughs> a huge piece of factory plant machinery. Um, you can't always go and look at a screen, but you can talk and you can listen. So I think there's a you know a huge number of applications for companies to use it for their internal processes. Uh, in terms of you know business to business, business to consumer. Look at me with all the the cool words. Yeah, um, you know there's there's massive potential as well. Um, you know, going to a brand site, clicking the microphone button to talk to the bot about the goods and services, rather than going through all the process again of typing. Uh, that thing of easily being able to find out what isn't isn't in stock. You know, saying, "Oh, is that blue T-shirt in stock?" And the machine just saying, "Yeah, you can buy it. Just click." Um, much easier for you to raise uh, service or other issues that you have with with companies. I mean, I'm not going to go into that side of things uh, today. So, depending on how things work out, uh, I want to have a look at the the business case for implementing AI and machine learning technology. And also because uh, in between recording this and it being broadcast, I'm actually doing a panel on this with the business applications for uh, for BFM's uh, breakaway this week. So. Hopefully that will feature a bit in next week's episode. Uh, And of course, you know, there are some sectors that are racing ahead with this technology. Others seem to be hedging their bets. But I have to say that I am really impressed with these new integrations. They do change the game. And once we see them being extended beyond, you know, the, the premium tier, once we see them coming more into everyday tools like search engines like Bing. That's Mm. where we're going to see the the worlds of search and internet browsing change rapidly. There, I got through it in just one half of the show. 
And you know what? It's been fairly sensible so far, um, which worries me. So let's see how weird things will go after the break. Yeah, folks, you tune into Matt's Plane here on BFM 89.9, the business station. <laughs> 